Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, did you see the latest meme on Facebook? For those that are on Facebook, it says this on January 1st at 12.01 a.m., finally, hindsight will literally be 2020. Somebody figured that out. So I think we can all agree that 2020 um, was a year. That was a year that none of us expected. A year of a lot of challenges between the pandemic, jobs, the economy, social issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Big, big, big year. So what about 2021? What will 2021 bring to us? Well, I submit to you this morning that the real question we should be asking isn't what will 2021 bring to us? It's what will we bring to 2021? Will it be an anxious or a wait and see kind of attitude? Or will we be bringing to it a confident and expectant faith that's believing God for great things. Turn, if you would, this morning to the book of Hebrews and chapter 6. This is uh, a verse that the Lord's put on my heart recently, so I figure he wants me to share it with y'all. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith... It is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, I like this translation, uh, but I don't like that word exists because I, I kind of like this one in the King James a little better that says they must believe that he is. Because that, that phrase, he is, reminds me of Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, where Moses is in front of the burning bush, and Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people, I am has sent me to you. You see the correlation there? He is. He is the I am. When God gives his name, his personal name to his people, he says, I am. Not only pointing to the fact that he didn't come into being, that he always was, he is eternal, right? Always existing. But he is in the sense that he is the absolute epitome of everything, right? Without measure. For example, he is all-knowing. Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, 
saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. And he declares the end from the beginning. God is all knowing. David said elsewhere in the Psalms that uh, before a word is even on my tongue, you know it, O oh God. He knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows everything that's going on in the world at once. Isn't that a comfort to you and me? God doesn't have to guess. God doesn't have to make decisions based on, gee, I hope, you know, such and such. No, he knows everything. Number two, he is all-powerful. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for our God. Absolutely all power, infinite might. Amen? Another thing I see, he is everywhere at the same time. Omnipresent. Psalm 139, 7-10 says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Not only is, is David saying, you know, that there's nowhere we can go where God isn't, but that he's there holding us, leading us. Next, I see that God is faithful. He is. He is faithful. Psalm 36, 5. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. When God makes a promise, he fulfills it. When God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be there for you. When God tells us something, he is faithful to us, committed Next, he is good. He is good. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. God is good. He's good. Part of the I am. Next, he is just. Psalm 111, 7 and 8. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All of his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. God is just. You know, sometimes I think we, we get the feeling, that, oh God, why are good things happening to them? We know, you know, that they don't always do uh, right and, uh, and 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 they're pretty mean to people and yet they seem to be prospering and and uh, you know here I am trying to do the right thing and it just seems like you know this and this and this is happening what's going on um, sometimes those things can happen sometimes we can see people and wonder why God allows some of the things that He allows but in the end in the end we know that God is perfect in his justice, and he will sort it all out. 
And especially as it regards to you and me, we can trust in that. He is also merciful, Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You can see how some of these even interact with each other. Again, the faithfulness. But God is merciful, doesn't give us what we always deserve. Are you thankful for that this morning? He is also gracious. Let's go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, one of my favorite verses of all time. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Grace, that divine enablement for you and I. That helps us in our weakness, where we are weak, where we lack. God makes up that difference, sufficient for whatever need is there. He is gracious. What else is the I am? He is loving, 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. You see his love. If, if you ever doubt, you ever see things, you know, uh, whether it's things that we don't necessarily understand in the Bible, why did God let that happen? Why did God let that happen? Or, you know, uh, just, just always go back to the cross. If there's any doubt of the love of God and the extent to which he would go to show that love to humanity, look at the cross. I, I always marvel, you know, I think I probably used this illustration before, but if you think of, of walking in New York City at night, you know, with a bunch of cash in your pocket and getting mugged by four, you know, big guys, uh, nothing you can do about it. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to get beat to, to a pulp. But imagine that you can do something about it and you don't. Jesus could have twitched his little finger at any time. And gotten rid of the whole mess of them. All the soldiers that, that beat him and spit on him and everybody that did whatever. Um, he, he could have just twitched his finger from the cross and said, forget it. This world isn't worth it. The extent of his love to bring salvation to you and me. Absolutely incredible. What else is the I am? He is sovereign. Isaiah 14:27 For the Lord of hosts has purposed and who will annul it his hand is stretched out and who will turn it back when God decides something's going to be done it's done he is sovereign he is the last word on everything there is no higher authority nothing can oppose him his word is law. His decisions are final. So, all of these things, he's good, he's just, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's loving, he's sovereign, he's all-powerful, all-wise. I didn't get all-wise, did I? No, Romans 11.33, sorry. All-wise, 
Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. So he is, he is not only all-knowing, but he is all-wise. All-wise. All of these things is the I am. But the question is this. When we look at the, the magnitude and the awesomeness of the I am, who is all of these things without measure, the question is, would any of that matter if he was somewhere else, if he was distant, if he was unknowable, if he was far from having anything to do with our lives, what would it matter? How many have ever heard of Warren Buffett? One of the richest guys in all the world has a net worth of $85 billion, more money than any of us could spend in a lifetime altogether. Now, in addition to all that money and whatever he can do with it, which is a lot, um, he might be, I don't know, because I don't know the man, but he might be very kind, very generous, very loving person, and a loyal friend. I don't know. Let's assume he is this morning. Let's assume that he is all these things. But what does that matter to you or me? What does that matter the kind of person that he is to anybody in this room. doesn't matter a hill of beans because he's not connected to us in any way, right? What he does in his life doesn't affect me one iota. So whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, doesn't matter. Okay? So similarly, God is the I am. He is all these things that we've talked about without measure. But unless he's connected to us, what... what, what? Was it really matter to you and me, right? But here's the truth. God and all that he is, he is to us, his children, his covenant people. We've talked about covenant, you know, Jesus making that covenant on the cross. God in uh, committing himself to an agreement to be our God, for us to be his people, for him to not remember our sins anymore, for him to adopt us as his own children and love us and never leave us and never forsake us and on and on and on and on and on, right? That's the covenant that we are in with God because of what Jesus did. And when you and I look at the scriptures, we find that God revealed himself often to his covenant people in the past, uh, you've probably heard the name Jehovah, which the King James uh, Bible has. Uh, without getting into a lot of detail here, let me just say that the the Hebrew text of Scripture, which the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, uh, is given in consonants only. Did you know that? Written only in consonants. I don't know if they did it, um, you know, just to save space, you know, or save time when they would. Because, again, they didn't mass produce until the, uh, uh, the invention of the printing press. They didn't mass produce. They had to do everything by hand. So what they would do, the scribes that would copy the scriptures, is they would make little marks around the consonants to 
point to what vowels were used in that word because, I mean, you can even think of it in English, you know. Um, if, uh, if you had an H and an R and you didn't know whether that was H-E-R-E, H-E-A-R, H-E-R-O, you know, I mean, there's, there's just so many different words that we could make with those consonants. So vowels are pretty important, right? <laughs> um, so you may recall also Jesus saying in Matthew 5:18, he says, For verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. You ever wonder what those words are? A jot and a tittle? Now you know. Those are those little marks that they would make in the scriptures to uh, allude to what vowels uh, were there to complete those words. So when we have God's proper name in the text, all we have is Y-H-W-H. Okay, those are the Hebrew letters that we have for the name of God. Um, and because his name was too sacred to utter or to pronounce, the scribes actually left the vowel marks out. We don't have any text of the scriptures with the proper vowel marks. So we don't know actually what God's name is. We, we have a, a, a clue that it has something to do with the term I am, the verb to be, which is Yah, um, but we don't have the full thing. So uh, no one really knows how to pronounce the name of God. In the Latin version of the Old Testament, the Y was changed to a J and the W to a V. Uh, exactly why, I don't know. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really up on Latin, but like Joshua, okay, the name Joshua. That, that's not his name in Hebrew. He, he, Hebrew name would be Yeshua, same as the Greek uh, for Jesus. So, uh, but got changed. So what they did also was they, they pulled the vowels from the word Adonai, the Hebrew word for Lord, and stuck those in to J-H-V-H and came up with Jehovah. So we sing songs, you know, with the name Jehovah in it. I, I, to me, it's kind of like God knows what we're saying. You know, I, I wouldn't get all bent out of shape saying, it's not his real name and, you know, this and that. We're trying, we're doing the best. So, you know, a lot of people nowadays, most scholars and a lot of churches use the name Yahweh. They figure that it's Y-A-H-W-E-H. Um, so you'll also hear that word Yahweh. So Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord, mighty God, awesome, you know, whatever you want to call him, I think he knows who, who you are referring to. But, and, and the reason why I picked Jehovah is because a lot of people have heard these names in reference to God. So rather than to change them all around, uh, I wanted to point out some of these names that the Lord has given us in the scriptures for himself. When he revealed himself in these names in the scriptures, they were his covenant names. They were names that God gave himself to show his interaction, his connection with his covenant people. 
Genesis 22:14, Jehovah Jireh. You've heard that song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. Uh, maybe you heard it, maybe not. Neat, neat, neat song. So he is there, the Lord, our provider. The I am, I am your provider. Okay. Exodus 15, 26, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Exodus 17, 15, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Our banner, you know, when they would ride into battle with the, with the banner, you know, we, we represent this country or whatever. We represent the Lord. He is our banner. He is our strength, right? Leviticus 20, verse 8, Jehovah Mikadesh, the Lord, our sanctifier, or the one who makes us holy. Judges 6:24 Jehovah Shalom the Lord our peace Jeremiah 33:16 Jehovah Sitkanu the Lord our righteousness Psalm 23:1 I know you all know this one Jehovah Rohi the Lord our shepherd And Isaiah 1:24 Jehovah Sabaoth the Lord of hosts I like that, the Lord of hosts, as if he needed anyone else, which he doesn't, but he also has angel armies, angel hosts at his disposal, right? Which he used on many occasions to do battles on the earth. So put that all together and we see we can get a glimpse this morning, although we've just scratched the surface because he's God, right? But you get a glimpse of the sheer magnitude of the I am, of who God is. And not only who he is, but more importantly, who he is for you and me. Because we are connected to him and he to us through that covenant he made with Jesus on the cross. So our text verse says those who would draw near must believe that he is. And I hope in all of these things, our hearts have been elevated to believe that he is our infinite, awesome, mighty God. Not only that he is, though, it goes on to say that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Not only that he is, but he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That word seek in the Greek, um, exitio, what's that kind of sound like? Exert. And that's what it means, to exert considerable effort and care in learning something, to make careful search, to seek diligently to learn, to make an examination. Though well, that's the, the definition for that word. In other words, um, exerting effort in our relationship with the Lord. Exerting effort into our relationship with the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation where a family member or a friend tells you that they've gone through a really tough time with something and, and you're like, gee, I wish you would have called. 
I, I have that tool or I have that knowledge or I could have done this or I could have given you a ride or I could have come and picked you up. I could have done this. I could have done that. If you only would have called, right? I could have saved you a lot of time or money or aggravation, but I didn't, I didn't know, you know, why, why didn't it happen? Because they didn't seek you in that situation or they didn't, they didn't want to bother you, or they wanted to handle it on their own. They wanted to make sure they could, they could do it. Or they didn't know you well enough to know that you had this knowledge or this tool or this ability or whatever, right? Or they didn't know that you would have dropped everything and, and come to their aid. Likewise, all of these things that we've just talked about that God is to us, you and I may not experience because we're not seeking him, because we're not calling on him, because we think, I don't know if he wants to bother with this. He's got more important things to do. Or I don't know what God wants to do in this, in this situation. And, and I, or I can do this myself. I can handle it myself. And therefore, we, we short circuit, right? We, we cut off the hand of God because we're not seeking him. Now, let's be clear this morning, to be sure. Exertion in our relationship with God does not earn his love. Can we be clear on that? God loved us when we were sinners enough for Jesus to die for us on the cross. When we are putting effort into a relationship with God. It's not to earn his love. We're not doing it to get brownie points. We're not doing, you know, um, he already loves us and cannot love us anymore as his kids. Number two, exerting uh, effort, putting effort into that relationship does not get us saved. We are saved by the cross of Jesus Christ. So salvation is free. God's love is constant. But what it does say here is that putting effort into that relationship reaps rewards. God is a rewarder of those who seek him, who exert effort, who put effort into that relationship. When we do that, sowing and reaping, right? God promises rewards. It will bring us. It may last. It may not. The light is red. It will bring us peace. It will bring us Thank God for backups. It will bring us peace, won't it? It will bring us strength. Strength in temptation. Strength in trial, in difficulty. Strength to to make good choices and do the right thing. It will mean the assurance 
of that provision. The closer we are to know, to, 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 to putting effort in that relationship, growing in our knowledge of God, we know, right, what, what his will is in the situation. We know, we have confidence that he will be there for us. Just like a human relationship, the more you know somebody, you know you can count on them, right? Otherwise, if they're just casual, you're saying, ah, gee, I don't know. I don't know if I can count on that person or not. I don't know if they'd want to help me or not. Same thing with God. The more effort we put into that relationship, the more assurance we have of his presence and his provision in our lives. It will mean hearing his voice, won't it? Uh, I've been here uh, a few years now, and if I called you on the phone and just said, hey, how you doing? You'd probably recognize my voice. But when I was only here for two weeks, that wouldn't be the case, would it? The more time you spend with somebody, the more familiar their voice is. So again, the more effort we put into that relationship, the, the quicker we will recognize God's voice. How, how, how great is that in a situation where you don't know what to do? But boom, you hear the voice of God. You know it's God. You can forge ahead, right? Or that voice that brings comfort, that voice that brings hope, that voice that brings a, a sense of direction for us. So that we can, we can partner with God. We talked about this several weeks ago, that we can partner with God in things that He wants to do. Even miraculous things that God would call us to do. As the scripture says, God has, has prepared in advance works for us, right? So then we hear His voice. We can jump on His train and do what He's called us to do. Him supplying whatever power is necessary us just supplying the will and the availability. And God can do amazing things that we step back and go, wow, that was awesome to be involved in that. Thank you, Lord. Right? So all of that versus being spiritually weak, being full of anxiety, feeling like our lives don't really amount to much, feeling distant from God, right? all depending on what kind of effort that you and I put into the relationship. I mean, married people understand, right? The more you don't put any effort into the relationship, how long is it before you start bumping heads, misunderstandings, that kind of thing? So effort. But the interesting thing here in all of this is that this verse doesn't say if you're going to please God, you must put effort into this relationship. It doesn't say that. It says those that would draw near right, must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So seeking God here is, is a given. It's understood. It's going to happen. What, what this verse is focusing on is what is going on in, in, in the back of your mind or, or in your heart is to say, get ready. Get ready. Because as you're seeking the Lord, as you're spending time with him, get ready because rewards are coming. 
rewards are coming. That time that you're spending is not going to be wasted. That time that you're spending is going to yield something. Um, and anybody know what bamboo does? When you plant bamboo, it stays underground. It does nothing for about five or six years. And then in that next year, it grows like 10, 15, 18 feet in the air. It's, it's just incredible. And there are times like that where we, we're sowing into our relationship with God and we're, we're doing Bible study and we're having our, our quiet time with the Lord in the morning and we're reading and sometimes it just doesn't seem that anything's really happening, right? This is, this is what we're talking about here. Be assured, church, be assured, people of God, that any effort that you're putting into that relationship is going to yield rewards. So, no, we don't know what 2020 or 2021 is going to bring to us. But we can know what we are going to bring into 2021. A confident, expectant faith that God's going to come through for me this year. God is going to reward my life this year. God is going to bring blessing untold into my life this year based upon who he is. He is faithful. He is good. He is loving. He is strong. He is powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise, etc., etc., etc. Based on that, God is going to do awesome things for me in 2021. And I can take of those awesome things and let my cup overflow to the world around me so they can see how awesome he is. Amen? Amen. So let's you and I look forward to a great year ahead. 2021. God is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are the I am, that you are all of these things. (laughs) And even greater, Lord, that you are these things to us. So, Lord, fill our hearts with that truth. And as we respond, Lord, by seeking after you, that we would know deep down in our hearts that we would go into this next year confident, expectant, and see you moving mightily in and through our lives. We praise you. We give you all the glory, Lord, because all belongs to you, our great I am. In your awesome name we pray. Amen.